We've been going through the Gospel of Matthew at Christmas time. We told the story of Jesus' birth as, as Matthew recorded it, and then we, we read further about the, the Magi in the Gospel of Matthew and Jesus' baptism, and then we came to the Sermon on the Mount. It was the first teaching in Matthew's Gospel, and, and in this sermon there were, there were a couple of fishermen Jesus had called, but there were others that just were following Jesus. And, and we're told that Jesus took all these disciples, people who were just listening to Jesus, who had come to him because they'd heard that he was healing hurts and that, that he, was, he was making the blind see and, and that he was, he was healing people who were deaf and they had come to him. And, and he goes up a mountain and teaches them. And it's almost as though Moses is back. Moses is back, who had given the law, gone up a mountain and given the law. And, and, and Jesus, though, says, you've heard it said, but I say, as though there's more, more than just the laws that these people had come to understand were the way to live. Jesus leads them, and he begins by, by saying to them, the first thing that he says to them is, you are blessed you are blessed. And he looks out to people that we would not normally think are blessed. He looks out to people who are hungry. People who have lost their family farms because of this Roman system of occupation, this Roman system of taxation. He looks out to people who are mourning, who want something more, and he says to them, you are blessed. And when he names their hurts, blessed are you who are poor in spirit, who are so beat down. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are you who make peace. Blessed are you who show mercy. He's saying, I see you. I see all the ways that you want this world to be different. I see you and I know you. And, and he, he says that again later. I see you who are hungry. I see you who are worried about what you're going to eat. I see you who are, are thirsty. I, I see you who are worried about whether or not there'll be something to drink. I see you. And he says to them, don't worry. I see how you're worried. Don't worry. You're worried about being hungry. You're worried about having enough clothes to wear. And instead, instead, look at the birds. They don't gather. They just eat what's there. They don't store up food in warehouses. They don't plant seeds. They don't work. And yet, God takes care of them. And look at the lilies. You're worried about what clothes to wear. These lilies, these lilies are beautiful more glorious than Solomon in his wonderful clothing. You don't need to worry, Jesus says. You don't need to worry. God's got you covered. He's not saying don't be like a hippie and check out. Uh, just, you know, go look at the lilies all the time. But in those moments of worry, look and see God because he's there. And, and look and see God and know that when you look for God, this is a God that you can trust. Maybe that's why he teaches them to pray, Our Father. 
a loving father, like we read today, a loving father that when a child says, I want an egg, can I have an egg, doesn't give them a scorpion, a snake, but gives them what's good for them, gives them what's good for them. I know that this our father kind of, for some it's hard to say, but I think there's real value in calling God Father for all of us of every age. The word that Jesus often uses for Father is Abba. Can you say that, Abba? Abba. You may notice you didn't need to use your teeth to say that word, Abba. You don't need your teeth to say that word. That's why we teach children to say words like Mama, Dada. You don't need to use your teeth to say Abba. I imagine parents of that age saying, say, ah, bye, 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 trying to get them to say, father or daddy. It's a word you don't need to use your teeth. The very young can trust in Jesus' care. And the very old, after we've lost our teeth, can still call out to God, Abba, my father. Abba, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. It's a funny thing to say, hallowed be your name, this prayer that Jesus teaches us in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Why not just say you're holy? Why do we have to say make your name holy? I think it goes back to the first set of commands that that Moses brought down from the mountain, a command about, about do not take the name of your Lord in vain, which means don't use God's name the wrong way. And so often we say things about God that are just plain wrong. God did this because God does not like that group of people. I hear it every time there's a a hurricane, a blame of a group of people when what Jesus says in this Sermon on the Mount is that God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Don't accuse God of not loving anyone, of not caring for anyone. There is no one outside the grace of God It's like, it's like in, in saying wrong things about God, in saying wrong things about God, we're building a house, a house on a, on a foundation that's just not stable. And in, and in not trusting God to take care of God and, and thinking that God doesn't care, it's like, it's like building a house, a house on a slope. Instead of on firm, flat, stable ground. And things like and things like not trusting that God loves everyone, that God cares about some and not others. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. No one, no one would build a house in a way that's not sturdy and strong. And yet, and yet we do sometimes. Jesus, Jesus tells these disciples to pray our Father. Our, because we pray in community. We are to be a community. A community 
not isolated Christians. We are to live out our faith in community. And so he teaches us to pray our Father, to pray for our food, our daily bread, to bless God's name together, to pray, pray together for God's kingdom kingdom to come. And, and we see the importance of that hour when he says that the way that you love God and worship God, don't do it. Don't pretend you're worshiping me if you're holding something against another person. No. Don't bring your offering. Don't go to the temple if you're angry at someone. If you're holding a grudge against someone, go to that person first, Jesus says in this sermon. I don't like that. I'd rather build a house where I can just, you know, pretend that I didn't say that. And maybe, maybe if I'll pretend that I didn't say something mean or do something wrong, it'll just go away. But Jesus says, no. No, before you can worship me, your relationships with your friends, your relationships with your family, they're part of this. They're part of this. Our relationships with people matter so much. I learned a little bit about that this week when I was listening to the podcast, The Bible Project. Is Charles Kersey in here to go with the children? He's the one that would put the stool up in front so that he could do that, that announcements at the beginning a few weeks ago in the children's project when we were talking about how could you learn more about the Sermon on the Mount and, how, and, and, and other children were saying stuff like you can read the Bible, you can pray. He says, listen to The Bible Project podcast. So I have this wonderful example of what righteousness means. What does it mean to live a righteous life? And, and on this Bible Project podcast, the, the, the speaker describes righteousness as doing right by somebody. That's something I grew up here, and they did right by me. Heard that expression? Maybe it's just here in Georgia that, that people say, they did right by me. Makes me think of when I went to replace my hiking boots. I'd had a pair of hiking boots that I loved, wore it a lot, but over time it just wasn't working anymore. They'd, they had fallen apart and needed to be resold or just renewed or something. So I went and got another pair, got the same make, same model, wore them for about a month. They were nasty, of course, because that's what you do with hiking boots. Went back to the store and said, I need to replace them. They're just not like the first pair. This, this new pair, same model, same boots. They're making me have blisters on my feet. I wear the same, same kind of socks, and I don't understand why they're rubbing me differently. And the store gave me a new pair of boots. I didn't expect that. I didn't even go in asking for that. I just liked the first pair of boots so much. And... And afterwards, I was thinking, they did right by me. They did right by me. To do right by someone. To treat them as, as you want to be treated. That's righteousness. And that's what Jesus is saying is blessed. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. People who will do right by others. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus says. And what a strange word for Jesus to use 
in a land that's occupied by Roman forces. They don't have a chance of making peace against Rome. Some are arguing for revolt, and I think in part that's what some of them were hoping when Jesus shows up talking about the kingdom of heaven, another kingdom. That sounds good. This Rome thing, we don't, we don't want this. But he tells them, rather than fight back with violence, when someone forces you to carry a backpack a mile, carry it a second. In other words, when one of these Roman soldiers forces you to carry a backpack, puts 60, 70 pounds on your back, and says, I got the right to make you carry this a mile, do it. And carry it a second mile too. And Matthew doesn't record this part. But Walter Wing suggests that during the second mile, the second mile, you just chat to that soldier who's making you carry that pack and saying, I got it. I got it. I got it for the second mile. Don't you worry. I got it. We're going to carry this. We're going to go two miles. Shoot, I can go three miles. I can go all day with you. Because that Roman soldier knows. He can only force you to carry a pack for one mile. And that second mile if he looks like he's making someone carry a pack for a second mile, he could be fined. He could be whipped. If, if he is reported, he is in trouble. Use what you've got. Someone's forcing you. Someone is using the power that they've got over you. Use what you've got. They're forcing you. A little more. A little more. Turn the other cheek doesn't mean take it when someone dishes it out to you. Jesus says if someone slaps you on the right, right cheek. And the only way someone can slap you on the right cheek, as we saw, was, was, was if they backhand you. If you turn the cheek, your nose gets in the way if they try to slap you again on the right cheek. They've got to treat you like a real person. Not an inferior that you backhand anytime you want to. It's a risky strategy. But it also says, I am a person. I am a child of God. And maybe, maybe in this Roman system, Roman soldiers, Roman citizens, maybe in this system of, of free people and slaves, that, and maybe in this system of men and women, some people have the right to treat me this way. But I will not allow you to see me as though that is all I am. And you must treat me as an equal, a child of God. And that's why turning the cheek, turning the cheek is a way of resistance, of calling out those with power. Calling out those with power, it sounds, it sounds dangerous. It sounds like something that could get you hurt. And that part today, don't judge. Don't judge. Or you'll be judged in the same way. Well, that seems like a problem too. Because what if we see someone 
who's bullying a child? Do we say, well, not supposed to judge, carry on. If we see someone who's abusing their situation, taking advantage of others, do we stay silent and say, oh, this is not for me to judge, it's for God to judge? No. No, that's not what Jesus is talking about. We're, we're supposed to be folks who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for a, a time and place in which people do right by each other. But judging, he places as having two parts. It's in a context, a context. He says, judge your brothers and sisters before you judge your brother or sister because of the speck in their eye, just know that when you're looking at someone with whom you, you live regularly, a brother, a sister, when, you, when you're looking at a friend, a, a person that with you, whom you interact with, with regularly, you're going to judge them for that speck in their eye and just know that when you feel that way, when something somebody is doing is bothering you in that way and you just want to fix them, check and make sure there's not a telephone pole in your own eye. It makes me think of when I was learning to drive. My daddy, when I thought I'd, I'd gotten good enough, my daddy took me driving on the expressway for the first time. And before we ever got in the car, he told me his little driving rule for driving on the expressway. He said, Cindy, when you drive on the expressway, when you drive on the expressway, if you ever have to brake, someone has made a mistake. Make sure it's not you. Think about it. When you're braking, sometimes it's because somebody changed lanes when they shouldn't have. They didn't look ahead of time. When you're braking, sometimes it's because somebody up ahead was in an accident and when we're just catching up with that accident. And sometimes, well, let's just say most times when I'm braking, it's because I'm following too closely. I'm not driving in the way that is safe. And when he says, when you are wanting to fix someone else, make sure you don't see in them what's really your problem. It is an alert, a red alert. Watch out when you're wanting to fix someone, especially a brother or sister, someone with, with whom you're having meals together regularly, someone with whom, with whom you're, you're in a small group, someone with whom you're in an extended family, someone with whom you see regularly, a, a person you talk with regularly. When you want to fix them, that's when you need to worry, to look inside and make sure that what you're seeing in them isn't what's wrong with you. I don't know. I'd kind of like to build a house where I fix people, make them do what I want to do. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? But Jesus says, the law and the prophets, they're all about... They're all about doing unto others what you would have them do to you. And, and we were meant to be, to be obeying the law. 
Isn't that, isn't that what Moses came down from the mountain saying? Obey this law? And that's what Jesus says at the end of his sermon. This is the law, the heart of the law. Knowing that you're blessed, knowing that you are loved by God, that you can trust God. This is the heart of the law, living not in rebellion with other people, living in good relationships with other people. And don't think, because it sounds hard, that Jesus doesn't want us to do it. Because not doing it, not doing it, well, that's like, I don't know, building a house. Building a house in sink and sand instead of on a firm foundation. A firm foundation. All these steps Jesus talks about. Loving enemies. Caring for others. All these actions he says take listen and do is the firm foundation. Well, they look kind of holy to me. Like it could build a life that just falls down. But maybe, maybe in these holes, people can see Jesus who comes for others. Jesus who gives himself. Jesus who loves beyond measure. Earlier this morning when, when we gathered to go through the order of worship, Charles, as he always did, asks, you going to say a prayer at the end of the sermon? Because at 9.30, that's when the, when the praise team comes back to the stage. He asked me that every Sunday. You're going to say a prayer? How will they know when to, when to come back? And today I said, yes, I'm going to say a prayer and you're not going to like it. Because I didn't like it when I heard it. It's a prayer that Adele Calhoun wrote when she wrote a spiritual disciplines handbook. It's called the welcoming prayer. And yeah, I didn't like it. But I needed it. Let's pray. Jesus, I release my need to feel safe and secure. Welcome, Jesus. Welcome. Jesus, I release my need to be accepted and approved. Welcome, Jesus. Welcome. Jesus, I release my need to control this person. Welcome, Jesus. Welcome. Jesus, I release my need to change reality, but accept it as it is. Welcome, Jesus. Welcome. Amen.